0: So a very warm welcome, everyone. Um, I'm delighted to say we're joined for a very special edition of the New Model Advisor podcast, which this week comes from our annual conference and awards. Uh, We're joined by two titans of the advice profession. Uh, In front of me is Anna Sofat, the founding director of Aditi Wealth. Hello. And to my left is Steve Buttercase, who's the principal of Verve Investment Planning. Hello. And also with us is Jack Gilbert, CityWise Senior Reporter on the New Model Advisor desk and a pensions aficionado. Too kind, Ollie. (laughs) It's true. It's true. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at New Model Advisor, and subscribe on your um, Apple podcasts. Just search New Model Advisor and click sub- subscribe. Um, today we'll be talking all things final salary, pensions, and a bit about what's been going on at the conference. Um, but first, I just thought I'd ask you guys, what, what have you heard today that has been particularly special or thought-provoking?
1: I tell you what made me smile was yeah. Ed Balls talking about building consensus. Right. If anything is further from the way the world is going at the moment. <laughs> building consensus is it? We've never been more polarised on whether it's Brexit, whether it's you know the economy, whether it's Trump and America. It really is. So building consensus, v- fantastic sentiments, but really, sure. We've got a few other things to cross off before we start even yes. thinking about that. It's a bit depressing, isn't it? <laughs> it is.
0: How about you, Anna?
2: Um, I think for me, the presentation by Ed Glepsey and, and talking about um, how much um, in the resource, in the oil uh, energy um, world, how much of it, uh, if we, if we utilised all the, the uh, resources that are in the, in the world stock market, that basically we wouldn't exist as a world. Mm-hmm. And that's just a mind-boggling statistics for me, and, and I think... Um, in these, for, for me, it started a process of starting thinking about our investments and you know we, we follow the markets up and down. We do index tracking. So. Sure.
1: You ruined my afternoon, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> it was a
0: of a whopper, then, wasn't it? It was. It was. Okay. Well, we'll move on from the, from the whopper to an even bigger whopper, which is, of course, um, the colossal issue of final salary pensions, which I'm going to pass over to Jack as our pensions expert. Um, Jack. What's going on?
3: Well, I'm sure I think our, li- our listeners don't need to have a reminding of, of the story so far. We've had a fairly eventful uh, year or, or couple of years uh, with regards to final salary transfers. What, what, do you, what do you think? Do you think we are? Uh, do you think you're think you concerned by what's going on at the moment um, or do you think this is perhaps a bit of a media frenzy and being a bit o- overhyped, some of the scare stories that are coming out?
1: It's both. There's definitely things to be concerned about. Um, it's revealed an aspect of this business um, which you know, we, we can't be proud of, which is one of the motivations um, for, for uh, business um, actions sometimes. It's also brought out a lot of very good things. Um, it's you know, it's liberalised pensions in a way that for many is, is a big step forward. It brought out the best in the IFAs who stepped in to help, particularly on the British Steel Scheme, when yeah, a number great. of people gave up their time and yeah. uh, for nothing to step in, Al Rush and others, um, to, uh, to try and make a difference. So we saw the best and the worst of the industry, but it does call into question this whole issue of contingency fee charging and motivations, and, um, and not in a good way. I mean, there's no easy answer. We, we, you know, the people who are doing it correctly have no problem with it, but the reason it exists um, is the um, is the main lure to other people who are maybe less scrupulous, and uh, it's a it's a, it's a tough one to square.
3: And um, how about you, Anna? What what are you kind of seeing? Do you think demand is going to continue to keep going up into twenty eighteen, or do you think we might have hit peak kind of um, peak transfer at the moment?
2: I think there will um, I think there will be less and less transfers because I think as public awareness and the public are scared into making decisions about transfers. Because I think that's what uh, this whole issue around um, the steel um, pension transfers have brought in. I think it has also for me have brought in issues around regulation and how that has played out in the defined benefit space. And this isn't a one or two year issue since the pension transfers. There's been transfers from the defined benefits sector into the personal side for at least two, three decades. We had a whole review at the end of the 90s that sort of sought to correct the mistakes that had been made in the 90s. And with these pension freedom, we seem to be repeating the same mistakes all over again. So for me, I think there is a big question mark around government policies at times and how that impacts into regulation and what the regulator itself is doing and the role it's played in, in this. I
1: think. I'm not sure what more the regulator could have done, frankly. I mean, there's a right thing to do and there's a wrong thing to do. And the regulator's job is to to make sure the people who are doing the wrong things are pulled up on it and corrected and weeded out. Mm. And uh, I don't think that's ever changed. And I think with the DB transfers, that the issue has been that um, yet again, there have been people who are prepared to disregard the regulator's guidance and the industry's um, general practice and do things for their own interests.
2: Well, I think there are two two issues there. Those which are sort of if you like valid transfers in the sense that they met the, the advice guidance, if you like, they are through regulated people. And there's those where they've gone into SIP environment and they've gone and invested in weird and wonderful things because you were hearing stories about um, yeah. introducers who are not regulated, investing in or things which are not regulated. And that side of this whole transfer space, I don't understand. Um, really, because that should have been, from a regulatory point of view, that that shouldn't be happening in this day and age. It just shouldn't be, um, and that's, I think, a failure of regulation. Frankly, SIP providers have been regulated now for what ten years, right? Every, all these investments go through these SIP providers and to end up in unregulated investments where people have lost out on their savings. Is, not acceptable
3: there was an interesting poll question out that, that came out today about contingent charging, and I think fifty six percent of advisors in the room said that they uh that they, they we shouldn't uh, should not ban contingent charging. Was that surprising to you guys to see that poll results or
1: I was a bit surprised yes i mean um it's very difficult in ten years' time if you've got a, a legal claim against you saying that you, you misadvised or gave someone bad advice, even if it d- didn't necessarily appear at bad advice at the time, it subsequently became bad advice, which is not impossible for you to say, well, I mean, the classic example is when you advise them not to transfer and they insist on it, and you have an insistent client, and you have ten pages of insistent client documentation, mm. and still the client says, but I didn't know what I was doing, and then you say, well, I told him it's not a good idea, and someone says, yeah, but you've got a 2% fee or a 1% fee from it. Immediately, you're compromised. You, you cannot uh, maintain the moral ground if you directly financially benefited from giving a client advice that you yourself said was not good advice. You know, there's a terrible position to put any advisor into. I
2: think. Well, I think, again, I suppose I tend to come from the regulatory and the professional requirement basis. We don't have these issues in the accountancy and legal professions, okay. right? So in there, there is... I mean, admittedly, they've been around for a lot longer than we have as an industry. But in there, there is... Um, you've got a profession where you can be banned if you are deemed not to be a good ethical professional. I don't see too much of the professions doing that, frankly, in our industry at the moment. Um, from a, I mean, they're beginning to focus much more on the ethics in the professions through CPD and everything, which is a good side. But I don't see... At the moment, a great deal of thought given how they're going to regulate our, our ethical standards, if you like, as professionals. I and mean, I don't like um, interference in, you know, in, a, in a market. You know, we should be able to set our own prices. But that needs to be looked at, I think, in our industry and a light shined on it. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, as to yeah. what are the potential outcomes of that. Because so much of what's happened in our industry has been driven by commercial pressures to get business in to an extent and the regulation or the culture not being strong enough to pick up on it um, and and that's sad because we have such we have um, as well as the bird guys we have lots and lots of good people
3: and what about the the government here because obviously you know if you look at something like final, final salary transfers or contingent charging I mean obviously this is at the end of the day the government is responsible for creating legislation and tax taxing pensions which is creating some issues uh, and creating this market so I mean do you think they should be more action and more um, kind of watching from the government and the Treasury about what's going on with its pension freedoms reforms and the advice market
2: it's a
1: tough one It's a really big question I think we've become atomized, more and more atomized as a society, and there's been much more at the sense of the individual takes the risk, the individual manages their own future, and, f- and less um, state involvement. Um, that's pretty much I the despair. consensus, isn't
0: it? That's sort of what Ed Balls was saying today, wasn't it? That
1: you know, that's yeah. And I'm not sure it's a good thing because not everybody has the capacity to make those decisions. Absolutely, not everybody yeah, starts from the same sure. place and opportunity. And um, when you see some of the ideas being bandied around at the moment, universal basic income, for example, replacing pensions and benefits, you know, where Everybody, regardless of their status, gets a dividend from the for the country's success. Um, those ideas are being you know, talked about and sure. experimented with. And I think what's said, final salary pensions were deferred pay. That's all they were. Yeah. You worked all your life, and in the end, you got the rest of your pay in retirement to support you. Um, once you take the lump sum and manage it yourself, you take all the risk. The risk is removed from the employer, yeah. um, the risk is borne totally by the individual, who may not necessarily have the, uh, the skills to do that. And uh, may invest in something in good faith, and find out that it's it's been disastrous. So I, I personally like to see more of these people more protected, I and mean, whether that's through yeah. auto enrolment being more tightly enforced or. Um, or a return to some form of shared risk. I've always thought that the alternative to DB transfers wasn't just complete individual personal pensions, there could have been some form of underpin idea, there could have been some form of shared risk between the employer. defined contribution. Yeah, exactly. Which Those is are, an idea that's coming back a bit at yeah, the moment. And it, and it needs to because the, some employers will be happily embrace it. You, know, you see the ethos of people like the John Lewis partnership and things like that where they would be very happy to share the risk with the individuals. Um, who who work for them and, and invest their time with them so uh, yeah we do need to think about it but just I think personal pensions are great if you happen to have the skills to manage them and, and, and you know, control your own destiny with the help of an advisor but a lot of people don't and most of the time when we have these issues it's with the people who don't have advisors, it's with the people who don't have that knowledge who mm. didn't know what they were doing yeah. who were expecting something different who didn't understand what they were doing but thought that the suit and the tie meant the person had their best interests at heart yeah. and, and we really need to protect these people and I do feel strongly about that, I don't know if I've offended anyone but that's how I feel. Could,
0: well you haven't <laughs> offended me Steve, <laughs> I, mean, I am quite easily offended. Um, the collective defined contribution idea, this was something that Steve Webb was working on. Yeah, it's, in government. it's coming it was back. Dropped there. in a kind of. Uh, it was
3: dropped in what 2015 by Ros Altman?
0: I, I presume so. She, yeah, it must have been. She, you know, she said, "This is on the shelf," um, and it seemed to me at the time there was just so much going on in her intray, and we know now she was having an awful time within the DWP. Seemingly, it just wasn't possible. But Steve is still interested in it, isn't, isn't he?
3: Yeah, and also Frank Fields at the Working Party Select Committee, he's he's launched an inquiry into it. So that's going to be something that's going to hear about in the next few months. Um, and also, I mean, Labour are quite big on this idea. They lost their shadow pensions minister the other day, yeah. again. <laughs> uh, but he was very vocal about this idea. So it has got quite a lot of political support, and there is legislation for it still in place from, from Steve Webster. So it might be an idea that the government comes to look back, back to um, in the next few months if they have any other time apart from with Brexit.
2: Well, I think the whole of the pensions space needs to be looked at because over the years what has started as an attempt to try and simplify move liability from sort of the company and the state onto the individual Mm -hmm. i think in all of that they made a real mess of things effectively Mm -hmm. Um, and it needs rethinking it's such a complicated space now Um, we need to rethink a situation where you've got some basic benefit which is more or less guaranteed whether it's final salary or whatever it is. At the moment, you've got your state pension, and that's about it. In in Switzerland, they've got sort of three ti- three tiers almost. You've got a base, which is your state pension. You've got another one, which is more or less guaranteed, because actually, in, in you, you're almost giving... Uh, the government announces like a rate of interest every year. It, it augments by. Um, and it ties up with all of death benefits, sort of death in service and... And um, critical illness, not critical illness, income protection type. So if you're ill, then you get a sort of ill retirement pension starting early. And then you've got a top bit where you can put in and take risks and that you manage as yourself sort of thing. So it's sort of, it's almost... Um, a case where you can't go too much wrong in a way because as you earn more, you'll put or you want to put more, you take more risks. Yeah, yeah. Down here, you're not allowed to take so much risk. So I, I think this space does need need rethinking.
1: It's interesting. Um, Ed Balls was wasn't particularly positive about auto Wrong, was it? He? he didn't think he had become part of the culture in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, that some other things have, that the minimum wage and uh, the Bank of England's independence. He, he said that he thought auto-enrolment had a little, little bit of work to do, and that when, I, the, when the levels I go think up in right. April...
3: I think, yeah. I think, I think but right. that was a reflection of just its, its success by inertia, though, isn't it? It works because people don't know it works. People don't know about it, or yeah. well, people don't understand it, That's but, but true, they yeah. still end up with, with that but ending they, up Yeah, I think they're pensions.
2: too afraid to, op- to make a decision to opt out in case they do make a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: I was a bit concerned that perhaps all the scandal and um, and worry about the DB transfer stuff would would leave our podcast with a bit of a a sombre tone. So I decided to insert a sort of fun ending to it. Uh, And uh, so this is a game of who said that? Uh, I'm going to read you um, a reasonably long quote um, from someone within the financial services uh, political world uh, who's quite opinionated, I would say. Um, And... Give it a thought and see if you can tell who it is, okay? okay? So here goes.
2: Do we get a short list of who it might be? Well, we... hmm? Just, just no, see if you can, no, right. can recognise it.
0: Here's the quote. When IFAs moved to a fee-based model, it was heralded as the rebirth of our industry as a profession. Yet in doing so, we created a vacuum of advice and neglected those who needed our services most. It is time to reconsider the virtues of a cross-subsidy system that would allow excess profits from wealthy clients to be spent on servicing those who are less profitable, but in greater need. Who said that, guys?
1: Yes. The sort of thing I would have said. So whoever it is, I Donald agree. Trump. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's uh, it's funny you say that, Steve, because it was in fact you. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I recognised it. That's yeah. good. So you you wrote that for us in 2015.
1: Um, do you still agree with it? Of course I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've always thought that good advice practices that are set up well can manage cross-subsidy to provide services for the people that don't necessarily reward them in the same way yeah. by the, the fees they get from the, uh, the wealthier. It's much harder to do now. It's getting harder every year because everything's becoming itemised and um, fees are much more uh, individually allocated. So, but uh, yeah, As um
0: uh, Steve spoke there, the lights came back on. Of course they did. <laughs> so, well, look, perhaps that's a great place to round off. Um, I'd like to thank all our guests and uh, my colleague Jack. Thank you so much for your thoughts. It's been absolutely brilliant. I'm sorry you had to put up with a technical error with the lighting. We got through it, the show went on. Um, the only final thing to say is, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, um, don't forget to subscribe and of course, follow us on Twitter. The handle is at New Model Advisor. Thanks
1: and goodbye.